Hello everyone to the 52nd episode of Everyday Journal. With me tonight, as usual, is my co-host Bob Wang. Hello, Say hello. hello, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I just got there. Uh, yeah, just arrived. It's very early in the morning for you, right? Uh, yeah, daylight savings is kind of a pain. <laughs> that uh, oh yeah you had that oh that's actually screwed up the the schedule for our cast but in the end it worked out for the better and with us returning as a co-host tonight is our friend from Thailand Eric the terror of magic online Landon hello Eric how's it going hi how how's everyone doing today oh, pretty good fine fine I pretty see good. that you reclaimed the trophy leaderboard well done was I ever not there <laughs> uh, no I think last time we we recorded you were like tied or something. Yeah, I think I went. I think uh, after the podcast, I went and got a trophy, and then I was at the top. <laughs> Just like your casual Saturday afternoon or Saturday. You, night. you guys made me feel awful. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think they will actually ever add something that's more than just an avatar? Like, what what would be a cool thing to reward people who do well in the trophy race? Wait, do you get an avatar? No, you don't. No, you don't get an avatar. I I, no, no, I, I mean, think you, you get one for getting a certain number of trophies, right? But it's very low. Uh, yeah, you do. I think you get one for 10. Wait, which one do you eight. get? It's different I don't think each, I have each, that one. It changes each uh, oh, okay. uh, season. It's, usually it's got a, a color border around it. Ends. Last time it was like, a, I think, a Jaya or a Nickel Bolas or something like that. Cool. Oh, maybe yeah. I did get that then. Yeah, I, I have a Nickel Bolas. <laughs> yeah, that's for your trophies. Nice. <laughs> I think. <laughs> In speaking of legacy, guys, um, first of all, I want to thank everyone who's listening because our last episode was by far the most listened to ever since I've been producing this podcast. Like, we only recently started tracking like listens, but from everything I've seen from recent episodes and before, the last one, you also received the most feedback on. So, thanks a lot. It really like means a lot to us because, like I mentioned, like the podcast is the one thing that we usually receive the least feedback on, and like so many people who messaged us on on discord on twitch like even through email that really means a lot to me and i'm super super thankful that you guys enjoyed this so much also thanks for coming on bob and eric like you guys really really make this and i think are a huge part why people enjoyed the last show like especially the discussion we had last last episode about like the state of legacy people enjoyed that quite a lot so speaking of legacy um one thing before we go into like the actual content of the cast do you guys actually know why Legacy is called Legacy? Uh, it was voted on and it won the vote. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was voted on in 2004. Like the, the concept of a format, which used to be called 1.5, has existed for many years before that. But in 2005, uh, 2004, Aaron Forsythe was like, okay, actually, let's let's give all the formats like proper names and let's have a vote on that. And Legacy is actually the option that came out ahead at 25.5%. So a quarter of the people who voted chose Legacy. But do you know what the second, mo like the, the one that received 23.3%, like we almost would have had a different name for the format. Do you guys have any idea what it would have been called? I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. It's like... Uh not classic, but it was like, I don't know. What, what was it? It was traditional. Uh, traditional. Okay, it was traditional. close. <laughs> that, that, that sounds so bad. It sounds that so does, uh, I, I'm, a, I'm really into uh, traditional magic. <laughs> yes, traditional yeah. magic where you put a Grizzle Brand in play on turn one. <laughs> Super <laughs> traditional. In <laughs> number three, we actually had Renaissance renaissance i mm. could see that but i guess it doesn't really make sense with like an older format i don't know i feel like it would make sense for like 
new modern, you know, like that they've been talking about doing. So I don't know. Yeah, isn't that also a set called Renaissance, which would probably make it a little weird? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure that there's like like a re-release set, at least in Europe, not not in the US. Okay, US. yes, there might be something weird like that. Yeah, and fourth place Heritage, uh, which probably works better than Renaissance. And yeah. fifth place, throwback. <laughs> throwback. <laughs> uh, after Actually, that, that one like makes the most sense, right? Yeah, it makes much more sense than Renaissance, right? <laughs> was was um. So I know Legacy had a poll, but I don't think that like Vintage had a poll. Did they? I don't know. Uh, I actually don't know. Uh, what? Actually, let's find that out for the next episode. I would because have. Sub- I would have submitted real as the name of the format. Real magic. Real magic. <laughs> <laughs> So they had a couple of other submissions that got some votes, like Ageless, and my favorite, Comprehensive. <laughs> Let's comprehensive. play some Comprehensive Magic. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, and there's Timeless, Mosaic, and Enduring. Enduring only received 1.6% of the vote. <laughs> yeah, okay, so I did look it up. Apparently Vintage was, um, uh, I guess it was like, it formally inter- endorsed at the Magic Invitational. Um, way back when they had that where it was like they could like make the in- in- invitational card so it was like in the 1990s basically so it was it was like named well before legacy uh, so it wasn't voted on they just introduced it uh, it doesn't say it's just that vintage was formally endorsed so I don't know if like players made it okay. up first or if wizards made it up first so in the in the comments uh, on the vote on, of the format name, they got a couple of things they ruled out. And my favorite bullet point is the final one. Finally, we all had a good laugh over over goofy names like overextended and hyperextended. We would like the format to be taken seriously. <laughs> Let's play some hyperextended. That sounds like something from Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> anyway. There have been some big magic events on the weekend. The largest one probably being SCG Syracuse. Uh, Bob, you played in that, right? Yep, I played Grixis Delver. Oh, Good old Honda Civic. <laughs> yeah. It was funny because uh, I talked to a lot of people leading up to the event. People were like, what are you playing? What, what do you think I should play? And I was like, every deck is like about the same level of good, so just play what you like to play. Um, and like some people were like, what's your Grixis Delver list? So I sent it to a bunch of people and nobody played it. And everybody just played like Maverick or like whatever Stoneblade deck they like used to play like, you know, a long time ago. So did you consider a couple of other decks or was it pretty clear to you? you would um, I looked at a bunch of decks like I, I considered slow depths, which I probably ended up should have ended up playing. Um, I considered like the Phoenix deck. I considered Blue White Delver. I think those were kind of the top few. I also looked at even like Sneak and Show. Um, I don't know. It's pretty open right now. So how did the tournament work out for you? So I had a really hot start. Um, I started off six and zero, uh, which was pretty nice. And then it was funny. At, like at the top tables, I saw a lot of Stoneblade. I saw Rudy playing Eric's new pet deck, <laughs> the Epic Thief. Uh, he actually started off seven zero, but then he ended up seven two. But the cut for day two was uh, seven or six two one, and I only went six three. I lost my last three rounds to not quite make the squeeze. And going back, looking at the results, um, I did not realize this, but 
Uh, basically, what had happened on Magic Online the week before was Blue White Stoneblade did well in the challenge. It, there were like two copies in the top eight. Um, Grixis Delver started playing like confidants to like kind of com combat combo and blue white, but I just didn't really like confidant because I thought it was it was good against combo and blue white, but it was like literally really bad everywhere else because it just like literally does you like two damage every turn. It's like a one-sided sulfuric vortex. So I didn't like that build of Grixis Delver, <laughs> but. Um, so yeah, Stoneblade did really, really well, and then people actually just immediately picked it up for the open, and it had a really, really strong weekend. Like, Blue-White Delver, Blue-White Stoneblade, um, along with the Slow Depths deck, I would say are, are kind of the story of the tournament. Like, those decks really pushed out the Chalice decks, um, to the point that, like, Moon Stompy, which had been doing really well on Magic Online, um, was not seen very much um, in Syracuse. So I think that was, like, the major metagame trend was, like, these Blue-White Stoneblade decks and Depths, like being really good against the Chalice decks. And then, so that meant that, like, if all these blue-white decks were playing, like, back-to-basics, the best Delver decks were, like, the two-color ones, so, like, blue-white Delver and blue-red Delver, um, just because they were a lot more resilient to back-to-basics. So would you say that blue-white Delver especially is here to stay, or is it just, like, like a flavor of the month? I think it's a probably closer to flavor of the month, because, like, it actually... So it does make sense, like, depending on the metagame, like... Uh, but now, like, I think the blue-white Stoneblade deck is just very good against the blue-white Delver deck, because, uh, like, in, that, in like, the blue-white Delver mirror, you, like, side out your Delvers. They just, like, don't do anything. They just, like, don't really impact the game that matters, which is True Name and Stoneforge. Um, so, like, the blue-white Stoneblade deck just has a natural advantage, and it gets to play, like, cards like Supreme Verdict that are also pretty hard for Delver Secrets to interact with. Um, so I think that, like, the Delver Blade deck made sense for a little bit, um... But if there's, it depends on how much combo there is. Basically, the Delver list is a little bit better against combo than the Stoneblade list. So it could be around to stay, but I just feel like the actual Stoneblade list is much better in the mirror. Yeah, I, I agree that Blue White Delver, it never really struck me as like a really powerful deck, even though I can see the, see the appeal of it, because something I like about it, I think it has an easier time sideboarding into an actual mid-range slash control deck than most other Diver decks, I would think. But, Eric, what, what's your take on the new Blue-White Diver and Blue-White Stoneblade resurgence, I want to say? Um, well, I think uh, that the Blue-White Delver deck, kind of like what Bob said, is probably a flavor of the month. Uh, I think that if you're going to be playing Delver, the that a more aggressive approach that isn't playing white is probably better. And if you're going to be playing white, that a slightly grindier approach like Stoneblade is probably better. Just on paper and um, and my experience playing against them and playing with them in the past a long time ago, that's how those decks kind of seem to play out in the long run. So I think that's probably the way it will end up currently so as well. You, you, both of you guys think that blue-white... Stoneblade, which like used to be a pretty reasonable deck in Legacy many years ago, is actually becoming a real force again. And you mentioned that it's also because they are doing reasonably well against most diver decks as well as Chalice. What actually makes them so good against Chalice decks? I like looking at them, I see their mana cost their mana curve is probably a little higher since they're I can't even say like I guess it also helps out that the mana base is less vulnerable to Blood Moon. With like six basics and a lot of ways to fetch them, like only a two color deck. They only play two tundras or something sometimes. I see. Yeah, so no, that makes them so reasonable. Well, it's funny because like we say chalice decks, but like Moon Stompy is just by far the most successful chalice deck lately, because it's I think it's good against like the other chalice decks. 
um, as well because it plays Blood Moon. So like in order to um, combat that, how you do that is just like you play a ton of basic lands, which is what the blue-white uh, Stoneblade deck is able to do. Plus, added to the, fa to the fact that Stoneforge Mystic, uh, most Chalice decks like just don't really have an answer to it. Like maybe there's a, l a few cards like green has like I don't know maybe Reclamation Sage, red has like Fiery Confluence, but like you can just like counter those spells because they're kind of clunky. Hmm. Uh, also, the the strategy itself, you just generally need to land like a True Name Nemesis and uh, equip it, and then you beat like Eldrazi or Stompy or any of the Stompy decks pretty much. And yeah, and, and the basics help a lot against uh, mono red. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, like, I don't actually think that the deck is any better than it used to be. I think it's probably just depends on how frequently people think they're going to be facing Cooligan's Command, which right now is probably not, not very much. And uh, in the past, people were sick and tired of getting their Stone Stoneforge Mystic uh, out, what, I don't know, out-grinded or, you know, out yeah. card advantaged by Cooligan's Command very regularly. Um but I don't think it was that bad in that meta either, other than the fact that that one card was played more than it is right now. Yeah, we don't really get to see a lot of, like, Grixis Control, formerly, like, Check Pile Control, the Four Color Control deck. Uh, looking at, the, like, the Syracuse Day 2 meta game, I actually am seeing Grixis Delver, Grixis Delver at 9, Miracles at 9, Gogari Depth at 7, Blue White Delver 5. Uh, Dragon or Moonstompy at three. Actually, right, Grixis Control at two. It's on the same level as like yeah. Maverick and Goblins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have to say that like Grixis Delver numbers are a little bit misleading because I have to guess on day one Grixis Delver is probably more played than all of these other decks. Um, I could be wrong about that. So I don't know. I, I feel like it, it just did not have a very good weekend. It feels pretty weak to the blue white back to basics decks. Uh, but I do like it against blue white Delver. Yeah, it's always hard to tell when you like when you only see the number in day two, and even though it's the most played deck, it might not have a very good conversion rate based on how many people actually played it on the first day. So yeah. when you look at something like I don't know, what is there? Well, it's so hard to tell because the numbers are so small. When you see like Maverick putting two into day two, like assuming like not a lot of people played Maverick in the first place, or Goblins putting two into day two, assuming mm -hmm. like I don't know five people played, then that would be. I like, bet uh, not even five. I bet that that, that that's a hundred percent day two rate right there. <laughs> Goblins, is, goblins, I, I misjudged the goblins from the last podcast, apparently. Uh, you know, a friend of mine actually started playing a weird version of goblins. It plays no wires, it plays no lackeys, and we played against him on, on our Tuesday night legacies at the bar, and he destroyed everyone. Like, he won the goblin mirror super handily, he destroyed me on elves, he destroyed Maverick, he destroyed, like, every deck that was not a combo deck. And actually, um, I can confirm that there were at least three goblins players, because I beat one in round one. And uh, it was actually a pretty interesting situation. So um, basically, uh, we're I was playing Grixis Delver, he was on Goblins. He had Aether Vial and Rashad and Port going. And so for like turn two and turn three, he was just upticking his Vial and porting me every turn. Uh, on turn four, and, and basically on turn two and turn three, what he would do is he'd be like, go, upkeep, port you. So on turn four, he says, go, I untap, draw, play my land. And then he's like, oh, wait, I want to port you. And I was like, well, okay, I think it's a little late. But How let's does that judge. confirm a third Goblins player? I still think that we have a 100% day two rate. That guy just went on and won every round after that. Well, he was not in day two, so I can oh. confirm that, <laughs> <laughs> that it was not him. Um, so uh, we call a judge over. Judge comes over, and he asks, like, you know, what had been happening in prior turns. And basically... The judge ruled that like 
Um, like my opponent said that basically it was what he meant to do, and I, I agree that that's what he meant to do. But he also said that he forgot. So um, so that was that. But basically the judge ruled that like I didn't give him an opportunity to port me. Um, so they rewound by choosing a card at random from my hand to put on top of my library. And keep in mind on turn two and three, like turn two when he ported me, I cast Thought Scour. Turn three he ported me, I cast Brainstorm. Uh, and then this turn four, I wasn't going to cast anything, but like hypothetically, what if they put like a Lightning Bolt on top of my deck that I would have wanted to cast, uh, for example. And the, just the fact that I like don't cast anything also kind of gives him some free information now yeah. that like none of it's possible that none of those cards are in my hand if it makes sense to cast them in that spot. So it was kind of frustrating because so it didn't end up mattering, but like it definitely seemed like I was punished for my opponent forgetting to do something uh, given the new take back rules. And like I talked to a different judge after, and he was like, I probably would have ruled differently. Um, I would have appealed if like I think it would have like affected the game, but I was just like. I don't really care. Let's just play. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I want to hear your, your guys' take on that. Um, f so for me, there's a couple of things going on. F first of all, if your opponent actually says that he literally forgot, I think that's always like a red flag for judges where it's like, okay, you, you admit that you actually forgot to do it. So in that case, I would like lean towards like leaving the game state as is. It's probably something you shouldn't say if you if you want to get the ruling on your side, unless of course it's the truth, which it seems to be. Uh, the other thing is, I think they have a couple of weird timing rules these days. For example, if you're like in in the main phase and you want to go to like beginning of combat, but not to declare attackers, now you can't just say like pass, uh, pass priority, and then if they pass back. I think they actually have like a couple of weird things that you literally have to announce if you want to do something on the next phase or something. So like also when people want to do something on your upkeep, they I think they're a couple I read a couple of policies where you have to actually state in your own end step at least that you want to do something on the opponent's upkeep, which is also like like all of that is actually giving away information that you wouldn't be giving away on, for example, in a perfect world on Magic Online. Uh, but in practice, it usually doesn't really happen like that. In practice, people just like wait until the exact step and then they like raise their hand and shout and like, hey, I want to do something. Uh, on the other hand, something that I've grown to do to like actually protect myself from some uh, from a situation like you encountered, I always say upkeep, uh, untap, upkeep, draw with like a question mark in my eyes and look at the opponent and then if they like shrug or whatever. I mean, in a way it reminds them of, oh, maybe I want to part. On the other hand, it also protects me from like, people being like hey wait i want to do something and let's back up and like having a judge not rule in your favor but especially since your opponent literally said he forgot about doing something in your upkeep i think you could have probably had the appeal on your side i think that's the thing that that definitely tips it in your favor also that the thing like putting back the random card i can totally see how that would actually be like like an actual punishment like where you really didn't do anything wrong and could like backfire pretty hard Imagine yeah, they, exactly. Imagine they wanted to surgically you for something. I don't know. Like, there's many scenarios where this could actually like. <laughs> imagine they put the land on top, and the, for whatever reason, they surgically you, and you're like screwed. And it's like what? <laughs> right. So you didn't get to like see my hand or anything, but like it definitely still could be a downside. Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't like that they that they do the the take backs. Like, it reminds me a little bit of something that happened to me at a tournament uh, in Beijing where I saw Julian. Uh, where my opponent, and this was before the take back rules, where my opponent forgot to take the surgical extracted, the card that they targeted for surgical extraction out of my graveyard. After they had, you know, shuffled my deck, I had shuffled it, everything had been presented. They'd seen my hand, they'd seen my deck, 
and then uh, and they admitted to the judge that they had forgotten to take it out of the graveyard but the judge decided to rewind the game to the point where uh, I was casting the spell and then they were casting the surgical so that they could take it out which to me was I mean it, it cost me the match and uh, it would have cost them the match and it was definitely their mistake and not mine um, and I, I feel like if you're if you make a mistake in a competitive uh, tournament like you shouldn't be rewarded for uh you know i mean you should you should you the, the person who didn't make the mistake the mistake shouldn't be punished for the person's mistake basically yeah uh i totally agree i just think in general there's a problem with like us not living in a perfect world and people like to a certain degree there will always be doubts until a judge... Act like, I think if a judge actually watched, for example, what happened to you in Beijing, and he actually had seen that, he would have probably ruled in your favor, I'm pretty sure. No, they but told me that they understood this. I checked with them that they understood the situation before I decided to say, all right, fine. <laughs> you know, they understood the situation, and they understood that the guy made a mistake, and they were uh, they, they said, we're just going to rewind the game then. And I asked why, and they said, because uh, it feels too bad or something like that. Basically. Okay. My, my understanding of the situation back then was that the judge actually felt there might have been some minor miscommunication that they couldn't make sure what actually had happened. Because, like, the way you describe it, and, like, if the judge has actually perfect information and understands what's going on, I think if you, like, appeal to, like, somebody who's confident in making, like, a ruling, then they there might wasn't, do it. In there wasn't favor. a miscommunication like, because I... I, uh, the guy that I was playing against spoke English, and mm -hmm. I could tell, based on what he said to me and to the judges, that there was no miscommunication, that we both presented the exact same situation, which is what happened, and the judges decided that uh, they would rewind the game and let him yeah, fix his I mistake. Think, that's why I think like if it ha had happened, like for example, like, okay, let's shoot for the moon at the PT, at our Mythic Championship, and you had appealed to the head judge, I could very well see this being ruled in your favor. I think it um, would too, but I'm not, yeah. I'm not really sure. Yeah, I remember you were pretty bummed about that back then, but I hope you... Yeah, and then I went on to the next round, I played terribly, <laughs> so I dropped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, did you actually get that 5-0? You, like, you played against Pilgrim's Eye? No, I don't want to talk about it, I lost. They had, they had a mil they had, they were a reanimator deck with, with Containment Priest, I lost for the 5-0. <laughs> Wait, what? What? Yeah, it's a new meta, it's a new tech, Pilgrim's Eye. How is that reanimator? That's not reanimator, what do you mean? <laughs> For those of you who don't know, I think Pilgrim's Eye is like, is it like a two, uh, one, It's like three, a three mana one, one. Here, I'll tell you yeah, their hand in the board state, in the game, in game three that I lost. Game one I lost because I, I just couldn't find my mana. But game three, they have uh, Wasteland, Field of Ruin, Scrubland, Plains, Ethersworn Canonist, um, a Recruiter, and a Containment Priest in play. And in their hand, they ha or in their graveyard, they have a Fairy Macabre. And a council's judgment, and in their hand they have council's judgment, cust custody le custody leech squire squire sorry, custody what? squire, <laughs> endless atlas fairy macabre necromancy right. sun titan swords to plowshares. Sorry, <laughs> that actually sounds like the, that Amaria deck that people try to make. I think it sounds like a modern deck. And I tried to reanimate their fairy macabre to kill myself, and they and they fairy macabre it, so I couldn't kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> This is how they how they don't allow prisoners to commit suicide, so they can actually hang them. 
anyway, um, going back to where were we? Um, I don't know. I'm the sorry. <laughs> <current> <laughs> <laughs> the, you so Bob was talking about his experience at the SCG Circus, where he didn't day two. Um, but Bob, did you did you play like anything spicy? Did you play like I think people call it Terramanda, even though I insist on calling it Terramanda. It's definitely Terramander, for the record. Uh, but I never... Oh, not in my list. I dislike the card. Um, I've never played it, because I think it's bad. Um, I, I think it's good in, like, specific decks. Um, so, for example, like, in Standard, it's good in the Mono Blue Tempo deck. In Modern, it's good in the Arclight Phoenix deck, because those decks put a lot of instant sorcerers in their graveyard. And the Legacy, I don't feel like there's too much of a home for it, but obviously it put two copies in the top eight. I do like it with Light Up the Stage, because Light Up the Stage is, like, a really powerful card. It's just the one mana draw to, and Terramander is, like, the best at enabling it, because it just, like, starts with flying. Um, so I do like it in that deck in Legacy, but in general, I dislike the card because I think it's just like very hard to turn on. Like usually you're turning it on on like turn four, so if you just have a one one for the first three turns, that's like kind of embarrassing, um, in my opinion. I think you have to uh, compare you... it to uh, Tombstalker, not not Delver, basically. Okay, but then you're like, I mean, like people are playing four of them, so you're just playing like these yeah. four cards I... that like don't really do anything until turn four. I think as a one or a two of, it's a little bit better than I had originally given it credit for, but not as a four of in any deck. Even for light up the stage, I don't think that that's. A, uh, I don't think light up the stage is quite good enough to to play four Terramanders. I think the card you want to compare it yeah. to is a zombie fish Gormagangla, Actually, that's the card. But it flies. <laughs> it's a little harder flies, to cast, yeah. and it flies. So I think it's closer to easier to compare it to uh, Tombstalker. And then you got to evaluate what it's better than Tombstalker against and what it's worse against. So I think it's much better than Tombstalker. It's not it's like, much better though because it gets it, it gets hit by Chalice of the Void and and uh, and it gets hit by things like Lightning Bolt and things like that too. So and Red Elemental Blast. And Red I Elemental think, Blast. Uh, but it also yeah, just a farce, <laughs> even though I mean, that sure. argument is not very big. But that doesn't make it much better. <laughs> yeah, but like the other the other big thing also Abrupt Decay is a big one. Um, yeah. The other big thing is just that, like, you can cast Gurmag Angler on, like, turn two with a Thought Scour, and, like, Terramander, like, even in the ideal, ideal scenario, I think, like, turn three would be the earliest. Yeah, but, I mean, um, you're also, it, it also comes with, like, a shock attached to it if you play it on, like, turn one or something, basically. You can get a couple points think, of damage. I don't there. think that's worth much. <laughs> I think it's okay as a one or two. Kind of I think it's a little better like, than I thought. In the, the is it Delva list, uh, Blue Red Delva that Rich Kelly won the tournament with, I think... It works really well. Like Bob mentioned, it does enable light up the stage. Uh, like whether the card is good enough or not, uh, I don't know. I, I kind of like light up the stage, especially since you can also cast force of it. Of it. Um, I don't know. I'm pretty high on Terramander if it comes to me. Like I didn't think the card would be really good, but I, I actually do kind of like it as a far off in a very aggressive mm -hmm. deck with light up the stage. I can yeah. see not running it like in Grixis ever, even though I would still like need to compare it to to Gormak Angler. Gormag Angler to me has never been that great, but... I mean, you play elves. You know what's probably better as a 4 yeah, though, for, for Light Up the Stage is uh, Mausoleum Wanderer. What? Is, isn't that the, one. the white card? No, it's blue. No, no, that's like the one it's mana, one, one spirit. On no, it's like, um... 
spell pierce for its power, and then the power oh, goes up guy. for each spirit. Uh, the one you can sacrifice, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think blue-white spirits is like pretty close to being playable in Legacy. Um, but you also think that Slivers is like playable, right? I, yes, well, I, <laughs> this is crazy. I just think almost everything is like... Okay, so it depends on what your definition of playable is. Like, in my opinion, a good deck can win around 70% of the time, and I think these playable decks can win like 60% at least, maybe 65%. Um, so, I don't know. That, that makes them sort of playable. And they can be, like, favored against the 70% decks, too. So it's just, like, it, it kind of just depends on a lot. Like, Slivers, like, I'll, I'll talk about Slivers all you want, Julian. Because uh, Julian just 5-0'd with Merfolk and gob or Elves, and I was like, play Slivers. Um, but, yeah, I think Slivers is, like, really good against the blue fair decks. Um, it might not be good against Stoneblade. Um, so maybe that would be a reason not to play it. I don't know, in the last year I have lost an actual sanctioned game, not match, to Slivers. And Gale Rider Sliver, to me, that's like the one thing that puts them over the top. Like, one mana, Wing Sliver, what the fuck? What's going yeah, on? That, that card is really good. It, it also makes it so that the depths matchup is favorable, because they can just, like, never attack through it, because the, uh, their Slivers are all different colors, and you just, like, <laughs> you're, you have, like, four five fives, and they're just, like, immediately dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, now no, I really want to play Slivers. I guess the oh mana God. base is going to be a mess and you're going to lose to Blood Moon every single time, but... Yeah, Moon Stompy is your worst matchup for sure. <laughs> Wait, they, got, they have uh, Vile, don't they? They have Vile and Force of Will, but like, if any Moon effect resolves, none of your lands do anything and all you have is Aether Vile. Yeah, uh, so you're putting in a 2-2 every turn. It's great. I mean, it's, it's still your worst matchup. Alright. <laughs> Are you going to stream with Slivers? Are we going to see you at uh, that cheapy Niagara Falls? I don't know. I've been I, like, there's a Wait, challenge so coming it's up. It's your worst matchup. What about um, what about Storm? Uh, you have a sideboard, so like you can play like, Chalice of the Void, Leyline yeah. of the Void. You play like 15 sideboard cards against Storm. Yeah, you, well, yeah. You basically play 15 Hate Bears and like Chalice Leyline. Like that's your sideboard. 15 Hate you Bears put slash Goblin Chalice Rabble Leyline. Master in your sideboard. The, <laughs> the Moon deck. I don't. I don't think a turn three Rabble is good against like a turn one Rabble. Okay, a Braid. Oh wait, no, that doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, it's a card you can't cast unless they have the Blood Moon, and it also doesn't kill the Blood Moon. I don't know. <laughs> it kills right, the Magus Moon. It's for the Magus Moon. All right, I thought we were going to talk about those slivers. creature decks quite a lot if they actually printed Thalia like as a changeling. Imagine they printed Thalia as a changeling. They, they sometimes print these things that like can become a lord for an, any tribe for like three mana. Maybe they should do that for Thalia. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. What well, yeah, let's think? talk about other decks you guys have been playing. Like, Julian, what did you think of Merfolk? Uh, I think Merfolk is probably the most or second most underrated deck in Legacy right now. It's it's a toss-up between Maverick, which I think is very, very good. It's like one of the upper tier 2 decks, uh, but I've been saying that for quite a while. Uh, Merfolk has felt surprisingly good compared to like the little credit people give it. Um, Half of your matches, I have to admit, you win because you are playing like virtually like eight true name nemesis because you play like the four uh, phantasmal images, which make it so that like the drawback doesn't matter once you copy true name nemesis. And Merfolk Trickster has helped it out also like big time. Uh, we are not playing Wasteland anymore. Uh, we, oh god, <laughs> I'm already <laughs> associated. Like I'm actually in in the Merfolk Discord, and we had a huge discussion on that. Anyway, so Merfolk Trickster is a card that helps you out as well. That like, for example, it's good, it's good against Emrakul. It's good against Emrakul, it's good against Marit Lager, and in, in combination with Phantasmal Image, like, I've, I've had them 
I tapped down their Myriad Lagos trickster and then I copied it with Phantasmal Image and killed them with it. It's like, there's so many crazy things you can do with that card. Uh, I even like the, my, my favorite thing that I even posted to Twitter. I played against... Oh, Eric, I played against you, right? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I tapped down an Icarus, uh so it actually didn't die at the end of turn and then I copied it with Phantasmal Image which got haste and attacked for lethal. <laughs> you also would have had lethal though if you didn't do that. <laughs> Yeah, there were, there were a couple of different ways I could have gone about that, but I really wanted to kill you with. with I Icarus. know. <laughs> that was funny. Oh, okay, I'm looking at your list, Julian. It looks like you cut Curse Catcher for for little Ben. Ben, yeah, Ben, ben has been surprisingly good to me. Like Curse Catcher has been a mainstay in Merfolk for like a decade at this point, uh, but Ben has been really good. Like the. I mean, you still get an early damage, uh, like you do with Curse Catcher, but now in the late game you can actually loot, which doesn't sound great, but sometimes Murfolk really is just like one top deck away from taking the games, because most of the games you win, you either win in the landslide, or you barely get there. And like the looting ability helps out a lot, especially with flooding as well and drawing drawing extra chalice, uh, not chalices, wilds. I actually cut chalice, I just, I really don't like it. Uh, it's just like such a huge tempo loss. I tried out standstill, like people used to play 10 years ago. It was okay, but overall, I really like the dismembers. The dismembers helped out like clearing the path and like sometimes even just buying time. I'm rather high-ish on the list. And yeah, I would definitely recommend playing the list as is, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very interesting. Um, yeah, I've tried Merfolk in the past. Uh, I was trying the Chalice Virgins. The issue I had was just like, yeah, m like some, like you had good draws, but like a lot of the times you, your deck was just like, okay, let me just do these two things, and then like if they don't work, I just lose. Um, so I just found it like wildly inconsistent, basically. Yeah, the the actual consistency of the deck comes from to me True Name Nemesis. There's so many matches where I just like land True Name Nemesis into True Name Nemesis. And while everything else is crumbling and coming down uh, alongside me, like I'm sitting in my house, I'm like, oh, this is fine. And I just like tap my true names and they actually get there. It's, yeah. it, this is the deck that has actually taught me how stupid True Name Nemesis is as a card. Like when, you, when I play Elves and I play against True Names, sometimes it's annoying when they get equipment on it. But then usually you can sometimes even race them. But when you play this, this True Name Nemesis deck against actual mid-range legacy decks that don't have like combos or anything to blow you out that that's just looking to get incremental advantage like maverick yeah it's such a pain in the ass for maverick even though i very much like maverick over over merfolk in that matchup but oh that's a stupid card and i think it actually is the card that makes the deck otherwise it, the deck would probably be just like slivers like we were actually talking about slivers versus maverick but let's yeah. not get too deep into that <laughs> actually um so yeah, someone like suggested that like true name could be printed in Modern Horizons, and I was just like, why would that be anything that like <laughs> anybody would want to touch with a ten foot pole? Like Wizards has literally come out and said that like true name is a mistake, and that they're looking to print more cards like Containment Priest um, in these supplemental sets for Legacy because those are like kind of in general printing answers is safer than pr printing threats. Um, which, by the way, I think we should talk about briefly at least. Um, Wizards announced a new set called Modern Horizons, and it's going to be um, basically no cards from Modern, like no cards that are currently legal in Modern, but cards that are legal in Legacy that will become legal in Modern, plus new printings which will be legal in Legacy and Modern. Um, so I'm pretty excited for this, like they've already spoiled a couple cards and it seems like the power level is going to be pretty pushed and they're going to try to make it have like a big, big impact in Modern. But I think it'll also likely, more likely than any other set at least, have an impact on Legacy. 
you think if they if they come up with new cards, I'm I, I would very much be looking forward to that to see what they would actually like uh, print that could shake things up in Legacy. Like, is there anything you could see? Like, they usually like they always end up printing like new humans, new elves, even um, that's what you see. And then maybe some kind of answer cards that modern currently lacks. Like people were even speculating about like uh, I don't know a weaker version of Forcefill or something that might actually. But actually, if they print something, it's probably gonna only gonna find its way into show and tell decks or something. I don't know. Like with regards to legacy, I hope there's gonna be something that we can use in fair decks. Not not something like Grizzlebrand. I don't know. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think. I mean, we're we're like mostly all for that. We want. Okay. So like. Legacy, the format, is basically Chalice decks, Brainstorm decks, and Combo decks. And whenever it's something that's like not those three, then I think it adds diversity. So like cards like Green Sun Zenith, Sylvan Library, Thalia to an extent, like cards that hurt those other decks, um, or add consistency to those, uh, or hurt those decks that I mentioned earlier, and then add consistency to decks that aren't in the decks that I mentioned earlier. Like those are the cards that we really are looking for, I think. In speaking of that, why is Green Sun Senate actually banned in modern? Like, I know why it was back, banned back after Pretty Philly, because it was like a fifth to eighth copy of um, Primeval Titan. But do you think it's a safe unbanned for modern? Like, I feel it might actually be, and I'm totally biased because I'm also looking forward to hopefully getting Wirewood Symbiote for modern and then, like, maybe running Green Sun Senate and playing actual elves in modern. But Natural it, order. Would it be, like, that bad <laughs> for modern? Natural order, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll get Deathrite Shaman. I mean, there's a good chance they uh, they print Containment Priest in the new set because Dredge and Phoenix are so big. Um, so maybe they could print Natural Order, but uh, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't even want Natural Order. That's probably actually because that would actually almost port the entire F stack except for Limbs, which I think. That's what my joke was. <laughs> yeah, well, Cradle too, Cradle as well. Cradle, oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. But they're gonna Ranger, print. They're gonna Symbia. print these cards for in the new Modern set, right? Is Cradle on the reserve list? It seems it gets reprinted. <laughs> Hopefully not too much. Uh, when is this set coming out? I think it's coming out in June or July, right? For Yeah, so it's coming out after all of this. So I think it's like, the order is like, I want to say um, Legacy GP, and then it's the PT. The modern proto in London? Yeah. So, I'm yeah, sure the Legacy GP, and then the PT, and then Modern Horizons is released. Um, but the PT is going to test the new Mulligan rule, uh, which also, by the way, Julian, you, you said that you played at a bar. Um, tell us about your thoughts on it. Uh, we liked it quite a lot. Yeah, I gotta ask. We, <laughs> we being play... being the elves player. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, the elves player, the goblins <laughs> player, the Merfolk player. We had a real tribal <laughs> gathering going on. <laughs> the tri all the tribal decks were really happy with this new with the new. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we didn't really have any. What oh look, I have ether vial in my hand again. <laughs> <laughs> so lucky. <laughs> No, it, it just felt like you felt much worse about money getting, um, because most of the time you actually got to, to to play games, and I mean that's the intention in the first place of the rule, and like the counter argument for that, of course, is going to be that you will also have a lot more non-games. But like speaking from so the did, perspective, so did people play combo decks or talus decks? That's what I'm most curious about. Uh, people played four color loam, but no actual combo decks outside of F's. If you want to qualify that as a combo deck, and. I, that's what I want to say. Like we didn't have those channel. Like we didn't have Black Red, Red Reanimator or like Eldrazi or Blood Blood Stompy. No Blood Stompy. <laughs> Blood Stompy. <laughs> I like that name better. 
I mean, people sometimes oh, like play Blood Sun, right? I've seen that that Red Eldrazi deck that plays Blood Sun. That's yep. right. But yeah, so from the perspective of actually creating less non-games because of just mulligans, it works really, really, really well. Of course, it, it's still to be seen whether that's actually counteracted by having more non-games because of like more consistent, stupid openings. I mean, it sounds uh, like the, the the decks you guys are playing are not are you're not going to be able to tell because you guys are just going to have more fun. <laughs> you know? No, I'm I'm telling you that the, the inherent intention of having less non-games that works that works really well. But of you but you were playing decks that only that you weren't like you said you weren't playing against Chalice or combo decks. Yeah, that's why like I'm saying the decks I don't that know it... whether it's actually going to be counteracted, but the actual mechanic of having a new mulligan rule that gives Yeah, more it's definitely going to make your hands better yeah. on average, for sure. Yeah. I think, but and I think it's by, just, by even I think it's going to be absurd. Like, you really want to play, think about it. Like, do you, as the Elves player, want to play against Reanimator that never loses game one? <laughs> I think that's fine. Overall, you think that's think, fine? Yeah, I think Elves, I think, is one of the decks that will actually benefit the most. Maybe that's why I'm so biased towards the rule, but I think Elves. It's one of the decks that will benefit. Probably, it's among the top five decks in Legacy to benefit from this rule. Uh -huh. if, like because Elves is so horribly at mulliganing. Like it's it's at a point where I sometimes wonder whether we should change up the entire mana base because it's. I've played a lot of decks and I've been playing Legacy for a while, and Elves is by far the deck that mulligans the worst, and that's why I'm probably so biased towards the rule. So Eric, you make a good point um, about Reanimator. Game one, it feels like game one right now. You basically only lose if you know your opponent has like you know double force of will, or if you like mulligan down four. really low. Yeah. Um. Then that. But, like that's I really like, think that the the game one win rate is going to go from like eighty percent to like ninety five percent. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Um. So yeah, that means like you really just need to steal one of the sideboard. It just the the problem is it just makes it so lopsided that it's just like you know game one you're gonna be so favored and game two you're probably gonna be very behind. Um, so, I don't know like, about that though because the the thing the only thing that that I'm really concerned about there is that I'm not gonna know what my opponent's playing more than half the time. <laughs> <laughs> so it's gonna be harder to sideboard. Uh, but if I know what they're playing, I know what I need my hand to look like, right? So m my mulligans are gonna be pretty strong still, right? And like. I know that a blue deck is going to, unless it changes, uh, like they'll they're probably going to be looking for forceful and surgical, right? And then like the non-blue decks are going to have leyline. So, and I have like six answers to land. So I'm going to need to. It's going to be a lot easier for me to mulligan to my leyline answers plus combo. Yeah, I don't know. It'll it'll definitely be uh, like I think that's the stress test. Is I think is it's a deck like Moonstompy and a deck like Black Red Reanimator. Those are like the two stress tests I think that need to be tried. Yeah, I mean, if like Death and Taxes and, and uh, Goblins are, <laughs> are fighting with the new Mulligan rule, I don't think I think everybody's just going to be having more fun, which is great. But I don't I don't think that that's even in question. Like I think the the question is like Bob just said, it's the Chalice decks and the but like combo to be perfectly honest, like. Entomb is a totally messed up magic card, and it used to be banned. Um, if if Entomb is the only thing holding back this new mulligan rule, and then it's like fine for Chalice decks, um, I, I could be for the rule, and they just like eventually ban Entomb or something. Starting here first, Entomb yeah. is gonna be the next thing Bob is aiming for. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Bob, what's the best deck in Legacy right now? Oh man, I wish I knew. I so I thought I thought it was Storm. Um, you know, Cyrus, <laughs> Cyrus had, like, really strong finishes with it. It's won a bunch of MTGO challenges. Um, although, 
So a sneak and show. So like the combo decks are just very good. But um, I thought it was Storm because, especially because with the meta shift, um, you know, if we can consider it to be like real, like I just think in paper people love to play these bad, what I call like bad blue mid range decks. Like I consider Days decks and Miracles to be like the best blue decks in Legacy. And then like all the other crap people play, I just consider them to be like okay decks that people just like like to play. Um, but I don't consider them to be generally like the best thing to be doing. Um, but people love, love, love playing those decks. So there's just going to be so much Stoneblade. Um, and Storm destroys Stoneblade so hard. And it also is very, very good against Depths. Um, like right now, Storm sideboards are literally playing like six bounce spells just to beat Chalice. Because that's their worst matchup. And then it just lines up so well against Merit Lodge. So uh, I thought Storm would be great. So I tested it a lot this week. Uh, my win rate is pretty bad. Um, but uh, a lot of it is losing to punts, and then a lot of it is losing to, like, the Magic Online player who, like, knows there's a lot of Storm and then just plays, like, you know, Spheres in their, like, Depths deck, uh, which is, like, very uncommon. Um, stuff like that. So, like, there's definitely way more hate online, so it could still be good, um, and I need to play better. The other thing about Storm is it's by far the most punishing deck I've ever played. Like, usually when you play Delver, if you make a mistake, you might be, like, down a card, and that sets you back, like, I don't know, 10, 20 percentage points. But when you misplay with Storm, it you often just, like, discard your hand, lose the game immediately, <laughs> go home and cry. So it's definitely a very difficult deck to play, um, and I, I, it could potentially still be one of the best decks. But it is, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to play it at a proficient level before the GP, even even with a month to prepare. Maybe you should take some coaching lessons from Cyrus. <laughs> he did he did coach me through a league and we five would so that was my only five o that <laughs> so was my only five with Cyrus, Storm. Cyrus played the deck and you watched. <laughs> uh, basically, he made these cosmic galaxy brain lines that I was like, whoa. Did you actually see that the thing he posted? This, what, um, he played a match against me and from my perspective, I'm trying to come up with a, what is Twitter? Cyrus CG. And it was such a weird line from my perspective. Okay, our count is blocked, so it's probably not that one. <laughs> oh, the and, one where he was playing around Mindbreak Trap? Yeah, that was, whoa, that was a Galaxy Brain line because I was like, I knew he had a Cabal Ritual, but he didn't cast it. And later on, I found out he was playing around Mindback Trap and I think even Surgical or something. Like, he was playing around so many things by doing such a lot. Like, a lot of people on Twitter, nobody realized it until he actually pointed it out. And that was super deep. I think I might actually link it in the show notes on the website because that was. It yeah, it, it, I would like. Like, those are the kinds of lines that you don't see until you lose to it once. And then you're like, well, you think back and you're like, well, did this hand ha actually have any way of beating Mindbreak Trap? And the answer is like, a very small amount of the time, the answer is yes. But it's something that you don't even, like, think about. Like, most of the time you're just like, well, if they have it, they have it. But, like, uh, now it's something that, like, you know, I'll potentially look for. Um, but it's definitely, you need a ton of experience. Like, he was basically, like, giving me these lines where it's like, oh, you do this to play around Surgical, like, you play Tutor, and then you, in, in, in response, you play Cabal Ritual, um, so that they don't, like, piracy charm you when we were playing against Infect, <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> like, I, you're definitely correct, but it's not something I would, like, ever think of in a million years. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, I, it definitely takes a lot of experience. <laughs> I've seen similar lines with elves where, where you go like where you can technically remove the hate bear and then go natural order uh, but actually the correct line is to go natural order response kill your hate bear so in response you don't like make me discard or like click away my my natural order that's yeah those are some lines like you mentioned you, you have to lose to it once to be able to play around it yeah <laughs> 
two more things I want to talk about. First of all, Eric has shaken up Legacy again. <laughs> yet again. Yeah, <laughs> with, a bad, actually, with a bad blue deck. Wow, 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 wow. As is tradition. <laughs> but Bob, Bob calls every deck bad if uh, if he doesn't five out. If it doesn't the first play time he plays it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, Magic at MTG Goldfish refers to it as blue black control, but that's not the name you have like bestowed upon the deck, Eric. What do you? Yeah, the, the deck is called uh, T E T or the Epic uh, Epic Thief. Sorry, I almost. Uh, said the wrong word i mean they're not wrong has <laughs> a website too <laughs> yeah it does have a website it's uh the epic thief.com <laughs> i can't believe you actually got that domain <laughs> why why would i not make yeah, a website for such an amazing deck that's true the epic thief.com check it out uh, it's the new big thing in town if you want to send donations to eric to to run that website uh there's probably a way to do it hit him up on twitter yeah you can check out my twitch you can donate there <laughs> <laughs> you should have actually have a donation page on the epic thief do you not um to be honest i uh i uh, canceled the <laughs> it, it'll be up i don't know for how long but i i don't i'm not i'm not actually planning to uh... oh i'm actually gonna grab that domain and then i'm gonna link to i don't even know yeah, <laughs> something. something. But um, for anyone who's living behind under a rock, I guess you say in English, in German we say behind the moon. Um, the deck list it plays four Bayful Strix, three Snapcaster Mages, then like six Planeswalkers, like two Liliana of the Veil, two Liliana Last Hope, two Chase the Mind Sculptor, then all your blue stuff. But apparently, oh yeah, Brainstorm, Ponder, three Fatal Push, two Thoughtseize, four Hymns, four Forcefill, then a mana base that has two Wastelands, and the one card that actually makes or breaks the deck. Like, Eric has been looking around Legacy for a very long time until he came to the conclusion that for three mana, you want to cast Thief of Sanity. And if you don't know what that <laughs> card does, it's a colorless, a blue and a black, 2-2 two, two flying, and basically whenever it deals damage to the opponent, you get to look up their top three cards, Exile two of those. Actually, you exile one of those, and you can play that, I think, until the end of the game, and you can spend your own mana as mana of any color, and the other two remain exiled. And, yeah, you have done some pretty obscene things. Like, I've seen you use the card to in a very efficient way against Storm. Can you, can you tell us about that? <laughs> All right, well, against Storm, the deck really... I mean, the, the card Thief of Xanity really shines against Storm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the three mana sorcery. <laughs> you can do all kinds of really cool stuff with Storm's cards against them. Um, for example, you can use their their uh, their tutors to tutor up more Force of Will, so that you end up with like four Force of Wills <laughs> in your hand, and they're not playing therapy anymore. So that's pretty good. And, and also, you can just exile Tendrils of Agony, and they can't win. Or you can exile Tendrils of Agony and a bunch of mana and, and kill them with their Tendrils of Agony, which I've done a couple times, which is pretty sweet. Um, yeah. But generally, the reason it's actually good against Storm is because every other card in their deck, other than those things, are cantrips and discard, which are great against Storm. So you just get card advantage, and, and the card's really good. It's also good against... Uh, I mean, it's good against most legacy decks. Uh, there's only, like, some cards that are not good, and that's, like, Green Sun, Zenith, Chalice. I mean, you can even find use for Chalice, because once you're, like, pretty deep in the game, you could set it on a number that's not, you know one <laughs> so uh yeah the the card i mean the reason i i, I play the deck I, I actually so thief of sanity i first played in black red reanimator sideboard because i i looked at this card and it's like <laughs> i was like this has got to be the most fun thing you could possibly do in magic is to kill your opponent with their own deck right so i put it in the black red reanimator sideboard and i 5-0'd with it 
uh, and I won a game where I killed an Eldrazi player with like three of their Eldrazi's, which was sweet. <laughs> but it wasn't good enough, obviously, to play to play blue, so I, I got rid of it. Then I tried to make a deck with it with like noble hierarchs and stuff, and that deck was terrible. Uh, yeah, really, really bad. That actually and was then, my first thought. Can't we just play like Buck Thief of Sanity, Turbo Thief or something? Yeah, that's what well, I tried, and it was awful. So the thing with the card is, like, the reason it works in, in Tet is that you have a bunch of discard to kind of clear the way, and, like, your opponent will be on few resources, and then you can, like, kind of get the thief through much yeah. more easily. Um, and that's why, like, turboing it out isn't necessarily the best strategy, but, like, protecting with discard and taking a slower game is, is usually better. So basically yeah. the idea behind this is like you both players lose almost everything and then you have this one guy who actually creates card advantage in a very meaningful way. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah, I, I mean it wasn't what, working exactly in the in the turbo version and actually it was uh Callum Smith, the guy who uh who played um Phoenix uh in the challenge and got second place. Fe Phoenix was invented by LSV though, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> this is the joke. Anyway, uh <laughs> He said, why don't you try blue-black uh, control? And then I looked at some blue-black control decks. And the one the one that people have been doing pretty well with recently is, like, Eureka, which I think is not very good. Um, yeah, I, and I see a lot and of playing like, And they're playing, like, eight, eight ninjutsu creatures. So I was like, wow, that, that, if we put three thieves in this deck, that opens up so many, so many slots to put, like, better cards in the deck. <laughs> yeah no Yuriko itself is definitely really really powerful and it's obviously like good with Baleful Strix and Snapcaster Mage yeah um, so I think it has potential there but like uh, Thief is also doing something very similar yeah um, Yuriko does like a lot more damage um, but you also I think you need to connect with a creature so it's it also well, yeah it's also missing like the Thief the Thief insanity legend, can attack it can attack a deck from their from a different in a different way like the Eureka deck really only attacks uh by having card advantage like it just gets more and more and more and more cards right like that's what it does and then like Eureka can deal some some extra damage but it's not like you know like i said like you're not exiling tendrils of agony or you're not drawing more discard or, and things like that or like uh using somebody's abrupt decays to kill a, a ley line or a uh, a library where you don't actually have any answers to library you know yeah that's fair. It opens up options in their deck while yeah. still having access to what's in your deck. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think we talked about this briefly, but there's a couple steps we could go with Thief. The most obvious one is just, like, make it into a Grixis control deck. Like, add Coligan's command. That card's just <laughs> insane with Baleful Tricks and Snapcaster Mage. Make it more clunky. Um, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I mean, it is, it is definitely clunky. Um, maybe we can play more one-mana discard, like maybe Inquisition or something. Um... But I don't know. There's definitely different uh, ways we can go with it. I think if you yeah, want I mean, to the, the command, you probably have to cut back on some of the planeswalkers. Maybe I, I actually cut down to one Liliana the Veil. I think one's enough. The cards. A lot of people were saying maybe it's not good, but I think it's quite good. But I think one one might be enough. But I, I really think that the reason the deck works is because of him to Turok. Like him to Turok seems super strong against everything. So. Uh, and uh, like, yeah, him is him is just like been one of my favorite cards. Like him, him, I win. The problem yeah. with him in Legacy is that like there are some decks that just get under you. So like the Chalice decks and Delver, um, 
that's where him doesn't shine basically is when they Well, I mean like... Delver though, you just you just keep casting him and then you kill their Delver and hopefully you're not at like 3 or 4 life so then you <laughs> then you're not going to you're not going to lose from there. Yeah, I mean it, it does Chalice, depend like Chalice you kind of have to to counter it. Yeah. Yeah, it does depend because um it, like if the Delver list has like Gurmag Angler like that's a card that Grixis generally struggles to deal with like you have like maybe Edict and Baleful Strix but they have a lot of removal for Baleful Strix so I, I think it definitely depends on like what's happening but um, him is okay against Delver but I definitely think it's like where it's kind of the weakest yeah I mean it, they, y- you are taking hits usually when you're casting it but I've, I've found that it, if you have like um, a fatal push in your hand and like a force of will or something and you draw him you just you just keep casting those hymns until and then you then you deal with the stuff that that's left over yeah so but Eric, yeah i mean if they get like a true name or something yeah that's why i like liliana the veil because then it's like okay you have a couple of answers to like if they snuck some like really hard to deal with threat in uh you have three two or three answers to it at least in your deck so to anyone listening right now eric give us three reasons why you would want to play this deck and like two or three reasons why you don't want to play this deck well the main reason is like i said i don't think you could do anything more fun than kill your opponent with their own deck which is <laughs> and like i was shocked that it worked to be honest like i said i've been trying it in different stuff i even played one in in the grixis phoenix deck in the main for a while just because the card is so much fun <laughs> i five owed with it too but it didn't get published uh but it was it was so bad in that deck it didn't it just didn't work at all <laughs> um but this list it actually worked like the him plan and then having like answers to pretty much everything um in i mean there's a few things you just don't have answers to because in the two colors uh which could you could try splashing red instead of wastelands but uh, i haven't really tried it yet i'm sure some people have actually uh, Solnox said yeah you, Solnox you tried, tried with it Culligan's command yeah so i mean that's definitely one way you could go um but what what was i saying <laughs> <laughs> you were trying to give us like convince us why you oh yeah it ended up just being way better than i thought it was going to be like the the shell is just a bunch of really good cards and two of the the best two colors in legacy uh so and then thief of sanity actually does stuff which i think like things that true name nemesis wouldn't do for example or gurmag angler just gurmag angler might close out some games faster but it also might just get brick walled by a uh, young pyromancer or you know a blockers things that block like Strix, you know, or combo. It's like, it's just better against a lot of stuff than like a Gurmag Angler is or a True Name Nemesis. Um, so it ended up being better than I thought it would be. Uh, and yeah, so it's fun to play and it's better than better than, than it looked. Okay. And, and yeah. now tell us why Rudy actually didn't win SEG Syracuse with it. Like why, um, where are the shortcomings of the Because Rudy was an Eric? Yeah. <laughs> that would have no. helped, I guess. No. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You'd have to ask Rudy why he didn't win, but that's a good question. Rudy, why did you not win uh, SCG Syracuse? <laughs> I'm confused. I mean, he started out day, day one really, really well at like 7-0 and or something like that. The deck's really good. I mean, obviously, like, like I, 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 I 5-0'd the first two leagues I played with it, uh, and I only lost one game in both of those leagues. So but that I was, think you also 5-0'd with, with Soul Sisters recently. Uh, that, was, uh, that was a lot harder, and it was not my first <laughs> That was like really, really, really hard, and took me like five tries. <laughs> oh well, <laughs> but yeah. T- once again, what is the deck actually straight straightforward? What is the deck really bad against? What is it really bad against? Uh, I've only played against Eldrazi once, and it was extremely difficult to win the one game that I won. So that seems potentially hard. 
Um, other than that, you can get mana screwed. You can get stifled or wasted out of the game. Um, and That's right. no, or you can have your opponent play like three game. nimble mongooses that you can't answer, like the third one, you know? Things like that. But uh, I mean, in the metagame, I actually think it's pretty good, so. But you still would play Black Red Reanimator? Like, are you going to the GP, by the way? No. No? No. Sad. Sad. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I mean, so recent, recently I've been, I, I was off Black Red for a little while and I've been playing it again and been doing really, really, really well with it again, which is nice because, like, for example, the other day somebody blind named uh, Thief of Sanity with their Cabal Therapy <laughs> <laughs> and then I killed them on turn one with Green. So it's like I've, I've trained my opponents to not think I'm on Black Red every single round, you know, so that, that's been really helpful for me. That I certainly experienced that when I played Merfolk, and people were like, Iona on green, like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. Turn right. one Iona on green, go. All right. Yeah, that's why, like, when I play people, I do, I try to remember, like, what they've played recently, um, but I always keep in my mind that they may not be playing that, you know? Like, you have to, you can't just, like, auto-keep everything based on, like, your previous experience with that opponent, you know? So, um, one, one more thing. Before we close out the podcast, let's talk about the elephant in the room in Legacy, and that is the power of Amadillo Cloak. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think about the Amadillo Cloak deck? Hold on, I need, I need to look at this. Oh my god. Oh my god. Wow, I'm looking at this monstrosity. So he's playing Sylvan Plug, which, by the way, uh, for those who don't know, it is a Chalice deck that plays main deck Choke, typically. Um, it's like a Green Sun Zenith, Mox Diamond, Ancient Tomb Chalice deck, and it works because of Green Sun Zenith. Um, but most of the targets you get off Green Sun Zenith are, like, pretty bad, um, so I'm, like, <laughs> a little bit skeptical about the deck. But he's playing main deck Engineered Plague and Armadillo Cloak, which Two I just cannot plugs. fathom. Um, I mean, you have Sylvan Library, and, like, okay, so here, here's one thing that, like, I did notice is, like, minus one, minus one effects are amazing in Legacy right now. Like, the blue-red oh, Delver deck is, is, like, based around Young Pyromancer. Um, yeah, I guess you probably don't want to hear this as an Elves player. Um, but it's excellent against Young Pyromancer, True Name Nemesis, Death and Taxes, Elves. It's also even good against the Slow Depths deck because they play so many Safekeepers and Bobs and Hexmage, and their whole deck also dies to minus one effects. So I was, like, trying to think of a way to, like... I don't know, maybe build Miracles with Zealous Persecution, because um, it's also really good with Mentor, or just like basically just kills them. Um, but uh, I couldn't really think of too many things, but uh, I, I do think minus one, minus one effects are like some of the best effects uh, for removal spells in Legacy right now. I, yeah. I, think, <laughs> I don't understand. So I played against uh, against this deck like five or six times with uh, the, the Epic Thief, <laughs> and I won all of them. So well, okay, I might have lost one to two. Uh, anyway, I played against this player on the on the Magic Online thing like five times, and, and I beat them like five times. Uh, was, he's a yeah. John Marriott car. He's pretty good. John um, Mario Kart. <laughs> and I thought this deck was like specifically made to try and beat blue decks. So I was I was wondering about that. Like yeah, that's not... that's where when it came about. Like it was created when Dig Through Time and Treasure Cruise were had like their heyday in Legacy. And like Bob mentioned, it used to play four main deck joke. And four main deck Obstinate Baloth and four main deck Sylvan Library. And it really preyed on blue decks. 
And these days they drop the chokes because like blue mm -hmm. is not as dominant as it used to be back then. Uh, but they still have like the disruption suit of like Shadows of the Void, Trinity Sphere, and they don't even have like a stumpy mana base these days. I think Lee, Lee Che actually mentioned on Facebook that he he dropped that, so he's only working off Mox Diamond. So in a way they're like a two-color version, or is it even one? No, it's a two-color version, three-color version, I guess, of Far Color Loam, but no loam, so they dropped all the patched. And like I think. Sylvan Library is a major reason why that kind of works because you do lose some card advantage with like Mox Diamonds, uh, but Sylvan Library Sylvan. and the extra life gain of Obstinate Battles after sideboarding that also like helps quite a bit. Oh, they have four Engineer Plague after sideboarding. <laughs> four Sylvan Library seems like so crazy to me. Yeah, that, that's but the whole point of the deck actually. Like getting that Tron One Sylvan Library, that, that's a huge thing. They, they are trying okay. to maximize the, the awesome draws they can get of Mox Diamond. So obviously I understand like library is good, but it just doesn't make any sense if they're playing black. Like, is Bob not good? Like, I heard that card was also good. Um, <laughs> it's slow though. Yeah, but so but is Sylvan it's, Library. No, it's like the same as Sylvan Library. Like the the weakness of Bob is like if your if your deck is high CMC, so like um, Grixis Delver, I think Bob's bad because of the high CMC in Phoenix. I'm also like it's also not as good because of the high CMC. That's um, true, but most decks in Legacy, especially in the first game, they have a very hard time dealing with Library as opposed to Bob. Yeah, but that's why you also play Chalice. So, I mean, obviously, like, yeah, Bob has disadvantages too, but, like, w w I guess compared to Four Color Alone, like, why does Bob work there and not here? I, I don't see any reason why it shouldn't I be I guess both. Library also works better with Crosshoff Crufix. Yeah, I mean, it, it does work better with Green Sun Zenith. Um, it works better with Crusher for Bob. but that card doesn't seem very good to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, the entire deck, it plays Armadillo Cloak, guys. That card seems great. you going to put that on? I guess if you put it on Knight and you give it Trample, and, well, that, that sounds like a Knight. Isn't there an Armadillo Cloak that, that has lifelink instead of the weird wording on the Armadillo Cloak? Yeah, yeah, cloak? they reprinted it later on with another oh, thing. Wouldn't know. that just be strictly better? Or? Wait, okay, guys, read the flavor text of Armadillo Cloak. Don't laugh, it works. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Are we uh, being trolled? It's, it's, we're being trolled right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. This is the next big thing for Legacy, right? Oh my oh, god. I, I really want to play this deck now. This feels I think like we just got awesome Rickrolled, basically. How would you oh my, I also love the list. It plays... Uh, two Wastelands and two Ghost Quarters. It does play Ravenhap Excavator, but I still think that's hilarious. And Legacy All-Star, one-off in the sideboard, shines Solifuge. Which, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that LeJay brought that in against me when I was playing Reanimator, which, uh, yeah, I'm sure he did because I was thinking about reanimating it, but he had a, um, uh, 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 what's it called, Dryad Arbor in place. I was like, oh, okay, so maybe he's, like, on this, like, level of, that I'm just, you know, I can't quite understand. <laughs> so I'm wondering, and for those of you who don't know, Chine Solifuge, whatever, how do you pronounce that? It's, like, too colorless. And then two hybrid mana, uh, a green or a red, so four mana total. Four one, trample haste and shroud. Um, so it's basically like a weird version of ball lightning that sticks around. And yeah, it I'm doesn't wondering, even seem that good against miracles because like they have snapcasters. But yeah, I don't, I don't know what it's for. <laughs> I'm wondering, <laughs> is it is it the third best insect in legacy right now? Delver number one. Why well, number two? I would say. <laughs> Why uh, would Symbia? Okay, yeah. okay. And then, is it the third best insect? I Okay, I think we've gone... This is when we know we've gone too deep and too long <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> so, what we're saying is that Engineered Explosives is getting better and better. Engineered Plague or Explosives? Oh, yeah, engineered, engineered Plague on uh, Insect. 
on Insect. Yeah. Oh, are we there yet? <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that deck is a lot of fun. And Lee Che, usually known to be quite the grinder and, and working out a lot of things. Um, maybe if you have a couple of tickets to burn, give it a try. Other than that, something we haven't really touched on, but I think it's... Let's see how it works out next week, especially in today's challenge. Death in Texas, at least online, has put up really good numbers. Uh, but we haven't really seen those numbers at the, at the SEG. So I'm wondering whether that's going to be a thing in the challenge. But I uh, think guys, are you going to play the challenge? Bob? I just think Death in Texas is like a very good deck, um, but it does require a lot of skill and like... Uh, for whatever reason, maybe those good Death and Taxes players didn't play at SCG Syracuse and they've been playing online. Like Thomas Enavoldson, who is uh, the best Death and Taxes player in my opinion, and arguably you can make the argument that he's, the, that he's the be best legacy player on the planet, given that he has a 76% win rate in GPs and he's top aided literally six challenges that he's played in a row. So <laughs> I think he's like clearly one of the best. Um, and it's crazy how good that deck is in the hands of a, a competent pilot. Um, that being said, it has a couple weaknesses. One weakness is it can be hated out via cards like Dread of Night. The second weakness is it's not very good against combo, and it can like kind of pick and choose which combo decks it can beat. And then I think the third, uh, the other metagame weakness I see right now is it's, I think it's bad against Blue White Stone Blade, um, and it's probably a is little it bit bad behind against versus. Blue White Stone Blade? Really? I think so because like that deck just has so many basic lands, and then True Name GTA is just like not what you want to be playing against. True Name, period. <laughs> yeah, it's quite difficult for for Death and Taxes, but definitely the GTA is where things get super hard. But True Name is yeah. very difficult in general for Death and Taxes to punch enough damage through when you when they also have yeah they have. Hmm. other stuff as well so basically what bob is saying everybody in the u.s who's playing death on texas is bad uh <laughs> <laughs> well tenjum tenjum has uh also done well with death and taxes online and he's in the u.s but he's been playing online so, so people should be taking a vacation in denmark i think it's it's it was pretty random that last week uh, so and many they have like all kinds of weird things to advertise for the country. For example, if you go to the Argentinian booth, they're like they've got Messi everywhere. It's like, hey, we are the country of Messi. Come to and if you don't know Messi, that's like the best football player or soccer player you would say who ever lived on this planet. <laughs> and so yeah, that like Argentina, Argentina is like I think the tenth largest country in the world or something. It's like yeah, come here. We have the best footballer of all times. It's like okay, <laughs> maybe that's something else to see. <laughs> anyway, wrapping up, um, guys. Uh, are you playing in the challenge, Bob, Eric? Oh, yeah. I would like to end this podcast so I can build a deck to play the challenge. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. It starts in 20 minutes. I still have the whole, uh, it's it's 10 p.m. here, and the challenge probably ends yeah. at, like, 5 a.m. But there yeah, is an upcoming... you're crazy if you play it, but Well, the thing it. is, is there's, that, there's that upcoming, uh, the, like, what do they call it? The format, format playoff. The format thing. So if I want to play in that, I'm going to have to do a night like this. So I'm going to maybe see if I'm going to fall asleep in the middle of the challenge. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, I don't know. I have um, to decide in the next 20 minutes. I think it's I probably should just go to bed. <laughs> awesome. So thanks for coming on today. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening, for tuning in. Uh, once again, if you want to follow us, guys, where can people find you on social media? Bob? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Grizzlepuff. Are you on Twitch as well? I am also on Twitch at Grizzlepuff. Uh, okay. And Eric, where can we find you? I am on Twitter at EWLandon1, and I'm on Twitch at EWLandon. Also, people, if you have a suggestion for a better nickname for Eric, send it to us at, I don't know, julian at itsjulian.com. 
and I will gladly pass it along to Eric. Wait a uh, minute. If, you follow, <laughs> if you wanna follow me, I'm it's Julian23 on Twitter and it's Julian <laughs> on Twitch. If you have some feedback for this episode, we are always looking to get some feedback to that. Uh, Bob also reminded me I should be asking for donations here. So if you want to send some donations, <laughs> no, because I'm eventually running out of email addresses to use for TriCast, which is about the service we use to record this, and they only give you like a certain number of things. So it's only ten dollars a month, and if you can hit that, we could actually like stop making fake uh, email addresses all the time. <laughs> <laughs> So if you want to do that, you can hit itstudio.com, there's a donation button, and then in the in the notes just mention that it's for Everyday Eternal. And everything else, we might actually, I don't know, maybe there's like a $1,000 donation coming in, and then we can actually buy proper microphones. But I guess you guys actually, like, I've been shouting at Bob f- to, to get a better microphone ever since the first season of the Legacy Premier League. And I think you're still using your, your laptop, are you not? No, no, I, I have a headset now. Oh, you're, you're in the year 2019. Welcome <laughs> to the future. Anyways, thanks guys. Thanks for tuning in. And see you again next time with Everyday Channel. Bye-bye. Yeah.